If you live here in Joburg, if you're trying to build a career, if you have a family, I've just come back from a one-week break with my family in the Kruger Park. I've got a five-year-old and two three-year-olds, and people ask me if I'm rested. It's like that. I haven't used that terminology in a very, very long time. There's nothing like coming back from a family holiday rested when you have small kids. But we had fun, and uh, we invested in some great family time. That's what we had. But that's what it's like. You've got small kids. You've got a business. You've got things that you're worrying about. You're in a phase of life where you're building or you're consolidating or you're moving forward or you're, you're figuring out what's next. Whatever it may be, pressure is something that we all experience. Relational pressure can be some of the hardest pressure for us to face. As we experience the, the flaws and the imperfections of us as people, and we know that our communities and our relationships and, and all of the rest are not always perfect, and we experience the pressure of that, and, and, uh, and we all deal with pressure in different ways. And these are some of the things that we've looked at over the last few weeks. Um, we, we are uploading those messages all to SoundCloud. We've got an account there, soundcloud.com forward slash anchor Joburg. Uh, what you can do is if you want to, you can download, download the SoundCloud app and actually follow Anchor Church Joburg. And then every time we upload a message, um, you'll get a notification and you can listen to it straight out of the app, which just makes it so much simpler. Otherwise, you can also go through the website itself or our website, Anchor Joburg. But in this three-part series, we're wrapping it up today, and I really want to talk about some of the pressure that we carry in life um, and some of the things that we carry that God hasn't actually ordained for us to carry. You know, there's certain things that God has called us to carry. He's called us to walk in purpose. He's called us to, to support one another. He's called us to, to, to take care and be good stewards of the resources and the things that He's put in our lives. But God hasn't called us to carry certain things that many of us end up carrying, and we actually experience a lot of pressure as a result of this. I've often explained and, um, and, and used an analogy, um, and I just, it was so clear to me again yesterday. Uh, I went to a supermarket that I don't normally go to, and uh, as I got to the supermarket, I wanted to buy one thing. I literally walk in, and I pick up the one thing that I came to buy, and I go to the aisle, and I'm trying to get to the till, and uh, the till, there's basically... Uh, I don't know how long it was. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It was probably 40 or 50 meters worth of sweets. Uh, I call it running the gauntlet, you know, when you have kids. Because it's just like hands coming out and, and just like stuff being added to your trolley. And sometimes it's like that. Like, you know, God has called us to carry certain things. But then we go through this aisle of temptation. And we're so tempted just to add things to that trolley. We're so tempted to end up paying for things that we shouldn't have paid for. And then walking out carrying packets of things that we were never called to carry. And God wants us to live free lives. He wants to, us to live lives filled with freedom. Um, in Galatians, it tells us that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He set you free so that you could be free. He set you free so that you could run free, so that you could live free, so that you can experience genuine, true freedom, not so that you can add weight to your life again. And so we're going to look at this. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter number 12. Uh, if you have your Bibles here uh, this morning, you can just go with me to, to uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. We're going to read just the first two verses of Hebrews 12 and verse 1 and 2. Sorry, I'm just moving these things out the way a little bit. All right, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about those who have walked by faith. He's talking, he's come out of Hebrews 11, which is an example and a list of people uh, that have trusted in God in dire situations and been used by God in spite of all the odds, in spite of their weaknesses. And he gives this list of people who have walked by faith. And he says, therefore, in verse 12, since we have or since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, your life and your story is a part of something bigger. Do you understand that we're running in the same race that Moses ran? We're running in the same race that King David ran. We're running in the same race that Abraham ran. We're running in the same race that the apostles ran and that the early believers ran and that, and that every other believer uh, that has put their faith in Christ, that has had to persevere by keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus. We are a part of that story. This is the story of God's uh, grand uh, redemption of all things how He has brought people back into a relationship with Him by buying them back from the debt they owed to the law. This is what God has done, and what we're a part of here this morning is bigger than just a church service. It's bigger than church attendance. It's bigger than you just, uh, you know, being here. We're a part of something historical, something incredible, something eternal, and this is what God has, has done. So we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. How do we run? By looking to Jesus. All of us, or most of us, when we started athletics, now as adults, we don't run unless something's chasing us. But as kids... We would run all of the time, and, and I remember starting out in athletics, and when you started out on the athletics track as um, a, a young boy or a young girl, the other day my boys had their first sports day, and so I went and stood right at the finish line. And when they were running, that was more than anything to keep them focused on where they needed to run towards, because otherwise they might, cha might change lanes. And so I stood there, and I shouted, and I got their attention, and I made sure they ran straight towards me. The Bible says, let's lay aside every single weight and fix our eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus. He's at the end. We, we run towards Him, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Despising the shame just means Jesus endured the cross in order to shame shame. He, he put shame to shame. That's what He did. And so he is now seated at the right hand of God. So he has got the victory, and we can just focus on Jesus. I'm going to pray for us, and, uh, and then we can go ahead and just get into this today. Father, we thank you so much for how good you are. We thank you, God, that right now in this moment, we can be encouraged and inspired to fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are both the author and the perfecter of our faith. You are the one, Lord God, who, who causes us and moves us by your Spirit to trust in you in a, in a deeper and deeper way, God. We thank you that you're revealing yourself to us. You're revealing your heart. You're revealing your, your love. You're revealing the gospel to us in a way that causes us to run with endurance, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that as we run this race, we don't run in our own strength, but we run because of what we have in you. 
We, lo- we run by the grace of God. And we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So back in the 80s, um, 80s was a good time. Uh, I was able to catch kind of, you know, the most of the 80s, fortunately. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so there was just amazing TV shows and all kinds of stuff that was on TV when, when there was actually something on TV uh, back then. And, and one of the shows that always fascinated me was World's Strongest Man Competitions. You don't really see it so much these days anymore. Now, today, it's like more CrossFit and stuff. But back then, it was just massive, bulky guys, like lifting logs and rocks and, uh, and all kinds of dangerous things. Like if, they, if you drop one of those things in that situation, there's nothing safe about it. You basically won't have a leg anymore or a foot anymore because if you drop one of those boulders or one of those logs uh, on your own feet, you're going to be in big trouble. And, and I, as a young boy, would sit watching these, these massive guys pick up these heavy things. And one of the things I remember was, was how they would pick up these big round boulders and then put them on top of barrels. And the barrels kind of got higher and higher and higher. And they had to do it as quickly as they could. And so I was fascinated. I wanted to be strong like one of those guys. Um, that was kind of, a, as, as a young boy, like I set that life goal for myself, right? I want to be strong. I, I nearly got there. Not all the way. I, I got close, but, but I wanted to be strong like one of those guys, and so we had a nanny at the time, and I went up to her, and I said, I said to her, how do I get strong like those guys on TV, like those guys in the strongman competition? And she was trying to explain to me that they train very hard, but what she said was they put rocks on their chest, right? So she's trying to say, like, no, they do all kinds of training, and they pick up rocks, and they do things, but her actual words to me were, they put rocks on their chest. And so I was like, that's easy. That's easy. That part I can do. And so I actually remember going into the garden and finding these these rocks that we had there and then going into my room and then lying on my bed and then putting the rocks on my chest. Just lying there going, I'm getting strong, man. I'm just getting so strong. This is a bit this is hurting, but I'm getting strong. And so I was, I was on this, I was on this, this, I was just committed to, to getting strong. And, and uh, I would also dig through my dad's cupboard because he had a lot of gym equipment that you also only got in the 80s. Things like hand grip strengtheners, right? My dad had those hand grip strengtheners, like loads of them. And, uh, and so I got some of those out and uh, there was something that I didn't even know exactly how you use it. It involved your thighs or your arms or something. I, I tried it every which way. Um, and then I also found some ankle weights. And I was able to strap those on. And so I was committed to this path of strengthening myself. And so um, I remember strapping those ankle weights to my legs and then going, I'm going to run around the block. And I remember once running without them and I nearly didn't even make it around the block. But this time I was like, with the ankle weights, I'm actually going to do it. So I strapped the ankle weights on. I ran for about 30 seconds. I didn't even make it to the end of the road. I was dying. They were so heavy. Obviously, they were also for adults, but they were so heavy. And I remember the feeling, just distinctly, of taking them off and then feeling like my legs are free, <laughs> like I could run forever. Let me run 20 blocks right now because this weight has come off of my legs and I feel all of a sudden like I could just, I could just keep on running. And uh, it's actually what the scripture in Hebrews 12 calls us to do. What this verse is saying, if you connect it to, to Hebrews 11 with the whole, uh, you know, hall of faith, as they call it, with, with just men and women of God who have put their faith in God in, in just a daring way. They're saying, we are a part of something so much bigger, so let's trust God. 
Let's run like this race that we're running actually matters. Let's be involved in the things that are actually adding value to our lives and value to the lives of those next to us. Let's, let's be all about purpose and meaning and glorifying God. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and let's do this wholeheartedly because we're surrounded by this great story and people that have gone before that have trusted in Jesus. I've said this before, but kind of a thing that sums up my purpose in life and the reason why I do what I do is because I just realized at one point in my life that there are those that have gone before me. There are those that have uh, built the kingdom and, 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 and seen souls saved and, and, and done so much good in this life. And there will be those that will come after me. But this is my turn to run. We have this one opportunity to make something of our lives to step into what God has called us to do, to make a genuine difference in a city. We're still a young church. We're only about 18 or 19 months old right now. And we're just, we're, our mouths are literally watering at the things that we believe God is gonna use us to do in the future, to reach a city, to be a city-shaping church, to do things that, that, that God has laid on our hearts and God has ordained for us to do. These are the things that, that excite us, that get us up in the morning. And so we don't want to do that with ankle weights. We don't want to run with things that hinder us and that hold us back. We want to be free. So the Bible says because we're a part of this great story, because we have this chance to run and do something with our lives that matters, because we've got eternal purpose before us, let us lay aside every weight and sin. You notice there that he doesn't just say, let us, let us just stop sinning, please, guys. Please just don't sin. This has not got to do with, with God nitpicking on what are the sins in your life and going, oh, you know, I just don't want you to do it because it's just not nice if you do it. God is saying, I have more for you, and I don't want you to be held back, even if it's not sin, but it's something that you shouldn't be running with. It's adding weight to your life. This is not just a sin issue. Jesus has dealt with our sins once and for all. This is not about trying to tell you how to live your life. This is about you running unencumbered with all of your heart. So God's like, there's sin that, that clings so closely, but there's also, there's also just weight. And let's lay aside all of it. Let's put it all aside so that we can run this race with endurance. In other words, so that we can keep running. Not like, not like me when I strapped those ankle weights on and I didn't even make it to the end of the street. God wants us to run this marathon. He wants us to go all the way to the end and he wants us to enjoy it all the way to finish the race, like Paul said, to get to the end of our race and go, I ran the race that God called me to run. And I did it well. I finished strong. God wants all of us, and my heart would be for every single one of us in this room to finish strong that we would all be able to get together 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now and still be on the road, still serving Jesus, still seeing Him do miraculous things through our lives. We can finish our race strong and hand the baton over to the next generation and say, now it's your turn to run. Inspire the generation that comes after us. We want to do that without burning out. 
And that's what just happens to a lot of Christians. They, they, they decide. It's kind of like your, your New Year's resolutions where you decide up front, I'm going to be good. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to give it my all. I'm going to do my best. And then as you start to fail, you become disillusioned. And eventually you abandon it completely. And for a lot of people, that's their faith because they are running with things that they were never called to run with. So how do we make sure that we lay aside every weight? How do we make sure that we live free of the sin that clings so closely? How do we make sure that we finish this race and finish it strong? The Scripture tells us, it says, by looking to Jesus, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing your eyes on someone, looking at someone. I've spoken about this so many times before, but it's actually a way, what the Bible is actually saying is put your faith in looking to someone. It, it's you saying, I don't have what it takes in here. I need someone else to help me. I need strength. Like someone who's in trouble that turns to find help. That's what the Scripture is saying. Let's look to Jesus. Just, just like David said, I, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Running this race can only We can only do it if we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. The problem is that because we often run with things that we're not supposed to run with, because we're carrying weight that we're not supposed to carry, because we have ankle weights strapped to our legs, we're so focused on our own own things. We're so focused on the weight that we have that we don't fix our eyes on Jesus. We're so focused on the things that are distracting us that our goals and our motivation is, is, is coming from the wrong place. We're constantly fussing over ourselves, whether it's your own badness or your own goodness. Can you imagine trying to run while looking in a mirror? It's like carrying a mirror in front of you. <laughs> you can't run that way. It's good to have some introspection. It's good to, at times, take stock of your life. But we need to run our lives not fixated on ourselves, and our goodness or badness, our hardships or our blessings, but focused on Jesus. It says that Jesus did this. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured. Let us run our race with endurance. For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He was able to persevere. He was able to finish his race. He was able to do all the things that God called him to do and ordained for him to do for us. And thank God that he did. He did it because of the joy that was set before him. He knew why he was running. And so this is what motivates us to lay aside every weight. So I'm going to give you just three things this morning that I think that we often carry that we shouldn't be carrying. We know that sin is already something that the Scripture mentions, that we we can allow certain things in our lives, and they actually take away from, from the life that God has for us. This is not about being good or about being bad. This is about being dead or being alive. And when you're alive in Jesus, there are certain things that God says, you're a new creation. You don't need to run with those things anymore. You don't need to allow sin to rule in your life anymore. We had one of our our couples here in the church, um, one of our our team leaders, 
Um, they got married this last weekend on Friday, um, and I was part of doing the ceremony, but I shared the ceremony with their uncle, who's also a pastor, and he did a, a bit, and then I did a bit, and, uh, and the part that he shared, he just shared one thing that just hit me so much. He, he spoke about holiness, and he spoke about how people often see holiness as a drag, as something that's dreary, as something that's, that's just hard to do and, 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 and adds weight to our lives, but what he said is, when we live according to the will of God, the way that God has ordained for us to function and live as people, it's the most freeing, most liberating, most joyful place. And it's in that place where we experience the least amount of pain and the most connection with the others around us. In other words, if we're able to live lives that are holy, not because we're holy, but because God has made us holy, if we're able to live in that, we're, we're able to connect. We're able to savor what the goodness of life really is. This is about adding to your life and setting you free, not adding weight onto your life. So we already know that that's the best way to live from a sin perspective, is for us to not have to deal with the hurt and the pain and the weight that comes from sin. We all know that. But there are some things that actually seem really good to pursue but when we pursue them, we undermine what Jesus has done for us, and it burns us out. And those are the three things I just want to mention to you real quickly in the time that we have left this morning. The first one is our significance. We carry our significance. Th this is weight. If you are constantly pursuing everything in life in an attempt to feel more significant— in an attempt to feel more worthy of love, in an attempt to prove to yourself and to others that your life really matters, you're going to add pressure to your life that God has not ordained for you to carry. The truth is, is that we're obsessed with meaning as human beings. It's one of the clues that there genuinely is a God and that our lives actually are, 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 are we exist for more than just living uh, biological lives, the bios life, as, as the Greek would say. C.S. Lewis said, if, if life had no meaning, we should never have found out that it had no meaning. We should have just been happy just, you know, doing what animals do, just kind of going through the day, surviving. But life has meaning, and we're obsessed with it. We want our lives to matter. We want to matter to other individuals and, and, and to society. This is why so many people crave fame. They want to be known. This is why people work overtime and sacrifice and, 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 and do things that they feel they have to do because they're desperately just wanting to feel some measure of significance in this life. And even when it's all achieved for many people, it's not enough because it doesn't feel like it really has any purpose to it. But our true significance is not found in accomplishments. It's not found in a great career. It's not found in possessions and, and cars and homes or even charitable deeds. Our true significance is found in Jesus. That's the price. That's the worth that God was willing to pay for your life. How much are you worth? To, to God, you were worth the life of His Son. He paid with the life of his own son for you, and that includes every single one of us in this room. If only one of us had been alive, he still would have sent his son to die for us. 
That's the worth that we truly have. And that makes us completely significant. We are already significant. Bill Johnson says when we strive um, for significance, we undermine our significance. When we start striving to, to feel like we, our lives matter, we undermine the fact that our lives already matter. And so when you, when you have that in life, you realize that you can work and do and pursue and, and, and walk in everything God has called you to do, not because you're striving for significance, but because you already are significant. It's such a key difference, but it's the difference between running with weights and running without. My life is already significant without me doing anything. I'm already worthy, not because I'm worthy of myself, but because of what Jesus has done for me. God has already pray, paid the price for me. Imagine how this would change our relationships if we really all believed this. I don't need other people to fill my voids and my gaps and my, and my things. We, we, we live in community, but we live in community as people who know our value. So we're not robbing and taking from others to try and fill up our gaps. We're able to give of ourselves wholeheartedly because Jesus has already fulfilled us. The concept of you complete me is awesome for a rom-com, right? You complete me. What movie was that? I can't even remember. It's so awesome. I remember I enjoyed it. I hope it wasn't a bad one. But you complete me. Um, it sounds great in a romantic comedy, but it's, it's false in terms of having a good relationship. Because what makes a good relationship is two people that are already complete in Jesus loving each other completely. So we need to know our worth. We need to know our identity. We need to know our significance. Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew 10, 29. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? One penny, two sparrows. There isn't a currency small enough to just, you can't just buy one, you can't just buy one sparrow because you'd need half a penny. Such a small amount of money. When we were sitting up here, I think it was two Saturdays ago, we were sitting up here on a Saturday, and, uh, and a little common house sparrow just flew in and was sitting on the floor there at some point, think, looking for some crumbs or something. And, and, uh, and I just looked at this little sparrow, and I think I actually turned and commented to somebody like, just that little bird. It's, there's so many of them, they're so common, and two of them in those days would be sold for a penny. But it says, yet not one of them will fall to the, to the ground apart from the Father. God is involved in the life of that common house sparrow. Like we say in South Africa, de Morsi. <laughs> he actually knows what is happening in the life of the sparrow. That's how detailed he is about us. Then it says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. For some of us, that's a bigger than number than others. Just think about what Jesus is saying here. Like, you're worried about your significance? Do I really matter? Does anybody really care? Does God really see what I'm going through? The Bible goes, God knows how many hairs you have on your head. Of course. Of course He knows. Of course He's involved. Of course He cares. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Don't be afraid. 
Don't allow pressure to overwhelm you. Don't allow yourself to feel like you're isolated and alone and like God doesn't care because He cares. He knows every hair on your head. You're significant. You matter. So stop trying to make yourself feel more significant. Start believing that you are significant and the proof is in the cross. The proof is in the price that God paid for you. Amen? So let's take that ankle weight off. Hey, I don't have to strive for significance. I'm already significant in Christ. I can just do what He calls me to do. Ankle weight gone. Now we can run more free. The second thing that we often try and carry that God has not ordained for us to carry is our salvation. Because Jesus is our salvation. For some of us, salvation or being saved or knowing God or a relationship with God can actually feel like a burden. I know so many Christians that almost all of their relationship with God feels like one big guilt trip. It's just a guilt trip. I'm just never good enough. Who wants to be in a relationship with someone where you're never good enough? Where nothing that you do will ever measure up to their standard? Nobody wants to be in a relationship like that. But yet when we come to God, we know He is the holy, righteous God of all creation, and then we go, hey, I'm just this imperfect soul, so how am I ever going to live up to God? And so some of us give our best efforts, say like, okay, I'll try my best. God expects all of these things of me, and I'm going to try and do it. And as we fail, we experience guilt, and we experience condemnation, and the condemnation literally begins to eat away at our faith, eat away at our, our identity, who we are in Christ. We begin to believe uh, that, that God hasn't truly saved us. For some people, salvation feels like something you constantly have to maintain, something you always have to carry. But our salvation is not something that we carry, it's something that carries us, as Jesus carries us, as He picked us up, as He has saved us. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, so that no one can boast. We can't brag about this. It's something that Jesus has done for us. So we walk in the salvation that God has given us. We walk according to the grace that God has revealed to us and that God has caused to take root in our hearts. We walk by grace. We live by grace. The old life is gone, and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So we don't carry our salvation. We don't, we don't have to, to, to worry about our lives. We can just simply keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the founder, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. This is just one area that I just want to mention. A lot of, a lot of Christians burn out in this area. Especially as young believers, especially if, if you, or, or if you've been in one specific uh, theological uh, pattern for all of your life, I've burnt out in this area where I believe that it was up to me to be good enough so that God wouldn't reject me. And I'm telling you, it caused my relationship with God to never genuinely be free and open and trusting and to never be able to grow. It limited the kind of relationship I could have with God because I never felt worthy of actually speaking to Him. 
I would have a prayer time, and I would spend the first 20 minutes of the prayer just saying sorry for everything I could think of doing or that I had done. And then I was like so worried that there may be things that I can't remember. And then I even heard the whole sins of omission and sins of commission. And then I was like, what about the things I didn't do that I was supposed to do? So I'll start repenting for that for like another 10 minutes. Because I didn't feel like I could speak to God if I hadn't repented of every single thing I could think of. And even then, it still didn't really feel like I could just have an open relationship with God. But when I got to understand the gospel, I knew that God has already forgiven me. And when I come to Him with faith, believing that I am forgiven, instead of me burning out under condemnation, I experience the joy and the fruitfulness of a real relationship with God. Matthew 6, verse verse 1 to 4 says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Sometimes our badness and our sinfulness is what weighs on us, and sometimes it's actually our goodness. When you're doing things that are good, because we're so innately prideful, we want everybody to know about it, right? It's like if you go and help somebody, like we had a team that went out yesterday and helped out at a crash and part of our causes thing, but didn't, did it really happen if you didn't post a photo on Instagram? Like, you know, if you didn't get the credit for it. We're so obsessed with getting credit that getting credit, feeling like you're always due the credit and that everybody has to see every good thing that you do, it's actually weight in your life. When you're able to go, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care if anybody knows what I'm doing. I don't care if anybody sees it. There's a freedom in that. I do what I do because I love it and I believe I'm called to it, not because I want to look good before other people. So the scripture says, don't practice your righteousness before other people in order to be seen. So when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. This is what the religious people used to do, that they may be praised by others. We don't have trumpets, but we have Instagram. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It says God actually is the one who rewards. God actually rewards us. So don't worry about the credit. Don't worry about what people think about you. Don't worry about uh, feeling like you need people to know Because ultimately, every good thing that we do is done by God's grace, and He is the one who rewards us. Hey, there's a freedom in that. Now I can just be myself, and I can just do what God's called me to do. The final thing this morning, so we don't need to carry our our, uh, significance. We can take that ankle weight off. We don't need to carry our salvation. We can take that ankle weight off. It's in the hands of Jesus. The third thing is our future. This is a big one. Because our world teaches us that you need to do this, this, and this in order to have that, that, and that. We get taught from a young age that if you don't go to the right school and get the right degree and get the right job, then you won't be able to make a living for your family. And and, and even if you do that, there's no guarantees in this world. And so we often carry the weight of our entire future, saying it's all up to me. If I don't make it happen, it won't happen. And by doing that, we, we, we ignore the presence of God's grace in our lives. We're trusting in our own abilities as as opposed to trusting in Jesus. And it becomes easy for us to be anxious. For the longest time, I thought that if anything good was going to happen in my life, 
It's going to happen because I made it happen. And if anything, and if I was going to stay away from, from bad things happening, it, it, the only way that could happen is if I, if I pr- protected myself from it. And so we feel anxious. But knowing that God is in control relieves that pressure. He's actually in control of our future. We don't need to be self-made men or women. We don't need to be the ones that are, that are just making our own way. We just need to be faithful ones. We just need to be people that are full of faith, that God will lead us and guide us and provide for us, that He'll take care of us. Do you genuinely believe today that God is a provider? That God is providing for your life, taking care of you? We, we planted this church 18 months ago with little to no support from any outside source, not knowing if we were going to be able to make it quit our jobs, started a church in the worst economical climate (laughs) our country has had in years. I tell you, it's been a journey of just going, okay, Jesus, rent's due tomorrow. (laughs) And there were times where I was tempted to go, is Jesus actually with us? And without fail, He just keeps coming through for us. We just keep trusting Him in bigger and bigger ways, and He just keeps proving to us that He is genuinely faithful. Matthew 6, 25, my last scripture this morning, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. The Bible says we shouldn't be anxious about anything, but just make your prayers, your, supplica- your supplications, your, your requests, make them known to God with thanksgiving. You're thanking God for it before you've even got it because you know how faithful He is. Hey God, I don't know if I'm going to have a, a salary at the end of the month, but I'm thanking you because you're faithful. I, just make your requests known. Don't live with the pressure of anxiety. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What that scripture is saying is that we can be so worried about those things that every single bit of our energy in life goes into making sure we have something to eat and something to wear. What a mundane existence when all you're alive for is making sure you have something to eat and something to wear. Life is about more than that. So don't worry about that. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The future of all of those birds are in God's hands. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't even work for it. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Fix your eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The righteousness that comes from him, not from us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things 
will be added to you. All these things will be added. Don't be anxious. See, God wants us to run a race that is filled with purpose and meaning. He doesn't want us to get bogged down, focused on the wrong things. Focused on, uh, uh, you know, am I going to have something to wear? Am I going to have something to eat? He wants us to live lives of faith that says that we can stretch, that we can do more than what we thought possible, that we can attempt big, grand things. Because we believe that God has got a calling for us, and the provision, that's what He will handle. We're going to run this race with endurance. We're going to lay aside every sin. We're going to ask God's grace to help us get rid of the things in our lives that, we, that shouldn't be there. And we're going to stop believing that we are significant in Christ, that we are worthy, that our identity is settled in Him, that our significance and our worth is, is settled in Him. We're going, to, we're going to take off the, the weight of trying to earn our significance. We're going to walk in the salvation that Jesus has already secured for us on the cross, not carrying the weight of trying to maintain our goodness or, or overcome our badness. And then we're going to trust our future, our provision, and our lives to God and say, okay, God, I'm free to run what do you want me to do? And I'm, I'm telling you, God is, God is going to move in your heart. He's going to start saying things like, hey, you know what kind of weight I actually really want you to carry? The weight of your calling, the weight of your purpose, the weight of community. Hey, why don't you open up your home and, and start a connect group and have some people come over and start going on a journey with people, discipling them and helping them and praying for them? Why don't, why don't you go out with one of the, the causes groups and start, and start feeding some people that don't have food and start helping to build creches for kids that, that don't have any place to learn at? Why don't you start getting involved with the reason why you're on this earth and leave all of the other worries to Jesus? Why don't we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that we can run this race with endurance and do everything that God has called us to do. That's the kind of life that I want to live. So whatever I need to do to be able to run that race, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm saying, here, I'm coming, Jesus. I'm coming. I'm running with all my might, and I'm taking these weights off. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.